When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. On the Cowboy Sports Network, from Learfield IMG College, welcome to the Oklahoma Genetics Summer Series. Brought to you by Oklahoma Genetics, bringing OSU's world-class wheat varieties to the farmers of the plains. Now, here's the voice of the Cowboys, Dave Hunziker. Welcome to another edition in our Cowboys Summer Series, brought to you by our good friends at Oklahoma Genetics, I'm Dave Hunziker. We have a special treat for you today. An interview with one of the all-time greats in Oklahoma State athletic history. Our guest today, Bryant Reeves, Big Country, the former Cowboy basketball All-American and first-round NBA draft choice. It's a great interview, and I encourage you to stick around. I think you'll really enjoy it. Our program, as always, brought to you by Oklahoma Genetics. They've been the sponsor of the Summer Series now the last two years, and they always like to remind our listeners about their outstanding wheat varieties, wheat varieties created by Oklahoma State researchers. And one of those that's really been popular in recent years is Double Stop CL+. Plus. Double Stop CL+, Plus is at the top of the class for two gene clearfield varieties in the Central Plains. And Double Stop CL+, Plus is widely preferred by millers. Double Stop CL+, Plus tunes out rye and other tough weedy grasses. And it combines high yield, test weight, resilience, and show wheat quality in one variety. Double Stop CL Plus also offers a competitive canopy, is acid soil tolerant, and stripe rust resistant. 
Double Stop CL Plus is another Grays and Grain and Golden Grain OSU wheat variety. To learn more about Double Stop CL Plus and other OSU-developed wheat varieties, log on to okgenetics.com. Coming up, we visit with former Cowboy All-American Bryant Reeves on the Cowboy Summer Series brought to you by Oklahoma Genetics and Learfield IMG College. This is the Cowboy Summer Series brought to you by Oklahoma Genetics here on the Cowboy Radio Network. And a great opportunity and a real treat for you today as we catch up with Bryant Reeves, Big Country. One of the all-time greats in the history of Oklahoma State basketball. And of course, had a good run in the NBA as well. And, you know, first of all, Bryant, just kind of refresh people. What What's going on with you right now post-basketball? Well, you know, it's um, just just cows and summertime and getting the heat and following the kids and just kind of hanging out on the ranch here, here at home. How much are you enjoying that? Um, I enjoy it a lot. I mean, I've got to see, you know, my oldest or what was my oldest daughter uh, just graduated high school. So I've got three graduate high schools. So we've been very, very involved in the high school sports. And then with, um, you know, Trey being at Oklahoma State, we were – more involved with the Oklahoma State basketball than I've been in a while. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I've been around it and been, been involved with it. So, it's uh, it's kind of good to uh, to relax for a minute. So, as far as your ranch operation is concerned, what all do you have going on? You mentioned cattle. What else? Anything else? Any other things animal-wise? Uh, animal-wise, no. We have about 350 mama cows, uh, you know, spend all summer bailing hay and fixing fences to spend all winter putting hay out and fixing fences. So it's kind of the same routine, but it's uh, it's something that keeps keeps me busy and keeps me occupied and keeps my mind going. Oh, I'm sure. How much does the work ethic of working on a farm and working on a ranch carry over to playing basketball at the highest level? What similarities are there? Well, you know, I I, I think there's a lot of similarities, you know, because I mean it's not it's not easy working uh, a farm or a ranch. I mean, you know, between hauling hay and working in the heat, you know, you kind of got to be dedicated to get the job done. Um, you know, we always used to say that that's where, you know, I mean, a lot of people learn their work ethics on, on farms and ranch. You know, we've had several young young lads that have went to school at Oklahoma State come through um, and, and help us during the summertime. And, you know, I mean, they were all They've done real well, very successful in life because uh, you know it, ta- it takes work to get it done, physical work and mental mental preparation, and you know it's the same thing on the court. You know you got to be uh, you got willing be willing to put in the work when nobody's watching to uh, to have the end product. What's the best thing about being in the Gans, Oklahoma area? Um, I don't know. You know, I mean it's home. Uh, it's where I grew yeah. up at. Um, you know, be, there, there's always something to be said about being home. It's, it's kind of uh, comfortable. It's familiar. Um, you know, and, and plus, it's it's nice and quiet. It's a very laid back lifestyle. You know, we're we're fortunate enough. If you want the, the all the hustle and bustle and all the big time stuff, you can always go visit it. But you know, you get to always come back to a more laid back style of life. Oh, absolutely. What was most special about having Trey up here? I'm um, just being able to see him play on that court where I did, but you know, and, and being back, um, you know, kind of around the Oklahoma State basketball program with something invested in it, if that makes sense to you. Um, you know, I've always been a part of it. I always will be a part of it. Um, you know, follow it closely. But there's something about having somebody, somebody out there on the court that you know you're you're a little bit more invested. You're a little bit more. Uh, to what goes on on a on a daily uh, on a daily uh, 
time frame. Sure. Bryant Reeves with us here on the Cowboys Summer Series. So how did you guide not only Trey, but all your kids as far as athletics are concerned? You have the perspective of being a former professional in the NBA, playing and being successful at the highest level. So, so how, did, how did you guide them as they went through their entire athletic journey as kids? Well, you know, I, from, from my standpoint, I think, um, you know, that's, that's one of the things, uh, you know, as parents that, you know, I see, I see a lot of different people take a different approach. You know, we always took the approach that we're going to support our kids. We're not going to force them to play basketball, football. You know, we're not going to force them to play sports. But when they chose a sport, they were uh, going to be dedicated to that sport. They were going to be the first ones to practice. They were going to be the last ones there. You know, whatever it may be, they were going to be the hardest workers at it, um, which I think that, that helps in life as well because, you know, at a job, you always want to be the first one there. You want to be seen that, you know, your attitudes are good. You want, you want, you want all that. And, you know, that, that's, that's how we approached it. You know, we tried ball. It wasn't for us. We tried baseball. We played football for a while. You know, until they all kind of uh, landed on on the basketball. You know, and that part of that may be our our responsibility as well because we were around Oklahoma State athletics. You know, we were at the basketball games more than the football games. You know, that's what we talked about. That's what we invested in. So, you know, you're kind of a little bit of a product of your environment as well. You know, and I know this. I know how you are, and you do not seek or want attention you just like to do your thing and do it really well whether it's farming whether it's playing basketball but the reality is your name is one of the most recognizable names in this part of the country and so your kids are brought into that whether they want to be or not how did you manage that because you are a recognizable figure and you are bryant you know they are bryant reeves children so so how do you how do you deal with that well you know we we try to teach them from the day one that you know it is Trey, Trevor, Maddie. It's it's your life. I mean, we knew expectations, and they they understand that. I mean, and, you know, I was always you know I'm always grateful for any recognition or anything like that you know that we get. But at the same time, like you said, I I don't I don't need that stuff. Um, you know, and so we always tried to make sure that it was all about them and what they were doing, and tried to keep uh, you know as much. Of, of my life out of it. You know, I, I, I supported them on what they were. Bryant Reeves with us on the Cowboys Summer Series. And as you grew up, you were talking about playing other sports. Did you did you dip into many other sports, or were you strictly a basketball guy growing up? I played baseball for a little bit when I was when I was little. You know, I mean, peewees and all that. Um, football football was never offered again. It was never a sport. It was uh, basketball only. We didn't even have a high school baseball team. All we had was the summer league baseball teams, and you know that that got you know pretty old. And you know you always had to had to go somewhere. And, you know, with my mom and dad, when my dad working all the time and scraping by, you know it was not easy to do that back then. So you know it, it turned into basketball and basketball only pretty fast. Uh, when did you have your big growth spurt? Um, don't know that I really had a. Uh, it was just pretty steady all along. Uh, okay. You know, I, I don't think that I ever had, you know, one summer where it was just like, wow, he grew six inches. You know, I mean, it was just a steady growth spurt really until my, uh, you know, until my senior year of high school, and that that was about uh, that was about the end of everything for you know, end of my growth uh, height wise. Then. Um, right. Right. Everything. 
everything else didn't happen until college. So, and when did you realize that basketball could be a tremendous avenue for you? Was there a point in time you remember high school, maybe even college? But I'm thinking more of high school. When did it sort of hit you that wait, I can play this game at a place like Oklahoma State? Well, you know it. it it's always a dream. If you if you ever play basketball, it's always a dream to go play major college basketball. You know, I mean that's just you know that's the start of it. Uh, you know, and I was always bigger. I had success. You know, of course, small, played at a small school, so you know you always kind of thought you might have that you know in in you that you could play. But you know, when you start getting recruited, and then you know Bobby Knight shows up at games high school and starts talking to you, Sutton shows up. You know, then you realize that uh, you know what you know this 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 is going to become a reality, and you know it's uh, it, you know it's kind of a pretty special time there. You know, especially when you're only you know 15, 16 years old when this stuff starts happening. How did you stay grounded through that? Um, you know, I think I think my dad kept me knocked down in a notch or two. You know, it's it's, it's very easy to uh, you know you start getting recruited and you start getting you know all these people start telling you how good you are and how you're going to do this and how you're going to do that at the college level. You know, I mean, I think uh, my dad really kind of kept me knocked down. And, you know, plus, you know, we wanted to, you know, I wanted to get the process over in between my junior and senior year, you know, and, and kind of commit in. That way, you know, you, you know that's already set in stone and then you can go out and just worry about what you do your senior year. Did you seriously consider any other school besides Oklahoma State? Um. Not after Coach Sutton arrived at Oklahoma State. You know, that was uh, – I committed my – before Coach Sutton had uh, coached a game at Oklahoma State, you know, in between my junior and senior year. Um, and for me to be able to play for Coach Sutton was uh, kind of a dream. You know, I grew up watching uh, a lot of Arkansas stuff, being so close to the border and, you know, seeing how he did with the Razorbacks back in his time. And, you know, he had a – he had a big uh, center by the name of Joe Klein who played at Arkansas who was pretty successful and uh, did really well under Coach Sutton. So, you know, I was like, that's the, that's the guy I want to play for plus I get to play in state. So was Joe Klein kind of a guy you looked up to? He was a small-town guy, too. He was from a place called Slater, Missouri, about bigger than Gans, about 1,000 people, but a small-town center that made it big. He, he made it big, and, you know, being able to, you know, you, that, that's what I got was our Razorback highlights. Razorback games, you know, so so that was uh, you know I watched I watched a lot of that back then, and you know Joe Klein was a big white boy just like I was, and you know I mean Coach Sutton, Coach Sutton did wonders there, and it's like yeah you know I want to play for that guy because that you know he's going to give me a chance to to go play at the next level. So you obviously had a pretty strong impression of Coach Sutton before he ever came to visit you from a recruiting standpoint, but when that first encounter face to face occurred with Coach Sutton. What jumped out at you the most? Well, just, you know, the, the way he approached it, you know, I mean, it was just kind of a, a you know, very plain spoken, you know, hey, you're going to come in, you know, you're going to be a project, you know, we're going to work with you, we're going to help you. If you'll put in the work, and we'll change your body, we'll change everything about it. Uh, you know, I don't think that there was a lot of, you know, BS there. I think it was a pretty straightforward line of recruiting. And, you know, I mean, it was pretty well, you know, I already sold because, I, I mean, I knew, you know, what, what his track record spoke for itself. So, you know, to play for a guy like that uh, was, was kind of a no-brainer.
Joining us now is Dr. Brett Carver, Regents Professor and Wheat Breeder at Oklahoma State University. And we've heard a lot about viruses from a human component this year, but you've been working on solutions to wheat viruses. Tell us about your progress. Yes, we have, Dave, and I'm really excited to uh, to talk about this. This is not a this is not an overnight success. I'll have to tell you that up front. It, it, it's taken many years to um, to come up with some some pretty impressive disease resistance, and I have to pass the uh, the torch off to my colleagues like Dr. Hunger uh, on the weed improvement team who has, who has helped this cause. But I, I think it might be good to talk about um, again. A, a plant virus, the, the viruses that infect plants like wheat are not the viruses that infect us as humans, but there are a lot of plant viruses. And you can go to, and you can search for this online, but there is a top 10 economically important list of plant viruses in terms of their uh, economic damage. And from trees to horticultural crops, uh, to garden plants, to wheat. And the one that just barely drops out of that top 10 list is like number 11 is one called barley yellow dwarf virus now it's a it's a it's a bad bug and it's something we have to deal with across the globe in wheat but in oklahoma it's probably our number one disease virus especially and we 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 don't help that situation because we plant our wheat a little early uh so that we can graze it and produce uh wheat forage and wheat grain what we call a dual purpose crop and that just encourages the development of that disease. Now, for so long, we've had pretty good, uh, a pretty good reaction to it in our, in our varieties. We don't have true resistance, but we have some resilience. Uh, the variety called Duster and some of its derivatives like Gallagher have been able to put up with that disease. But now we can say we truly have resistance to barley yellow dwarf. I'm excited, really excited about that. And, and I think to the point we can now launch a wheat variety. So maybe we can talk about that. That's Dr. Brett Carver, Regents Professor and Wheat Breeder at Oklahoma State University. More to come with Bryant Reeves on the Cowboy Summer Series, brought to you by Oklahoma Genetics and Learfield IMG College. It's the Cowboys Summer Series featuring this week a visit with one of all Oklahoma State's all-time greats, Bryant Reeves, big country with us. And we were talking about Coach Sutton and the recruiting process prior to the last break. Once you arrived in Stillwater and he had a chance to get his hands on you, for lack of a better term, on a daily basis, what growth in your game occurred almost immediately? Well, you know, I think it was, I think he was trying, you know, back back then, you know, I could put on a uh, on a on a concrete job or a Lewis Field pouring pouring concrete parking lots out in his heat and then working out every day. Um, I think he wanted to see, you know, how, how, how tough I could be or if he could break his right off the bat, you know, and, and put you out there. You know, it was it was quite a quite a shock. You know, I mean I had never lifted weights, I'd never done any of that stuff. Um, that was not anything I was ever around um, to start to start doing that every day, and then also to go out, and, you know, work work every day in the summer. You know, I mean, it was just more of a, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see what you're made of type deal. And then to start, you know, then you got to play against all those guys every, you know, during the summertime. We played pickup every day. Um, you know, it was just a a whole different change there. You know, and I think, you know, I, I coach self had really. Coach Self was kind of in charge of, 
the big man back then. And, you know, I mean, I worked, I worked a lot with Coach Self. Coach Self really helped me on my game. And, and then, you know, for Coach, for Coach Sutton to come in and kind of, you know, dot all the I's and cross all the T's there, it uh, kind, of, kind of worked well. Yeah, concrete work in the summer. Holy cow. I didn't know about oh, yeah, that. It was, yeah, it was nasty. It was it was on Old Lewis Field there on the uh, on the south side in the parking lot, pouring all those daggum uh, sidewalks there where you park at. Oh my gosh! So so here's a question. <laughs> I'll put you on the spot just a little bit here, Bryant. Would we be better off in college basketball not doing year-round workouts and stuff and having guys pour concrete? At Lewis Field instead, or in this case, Boone Pickett Stadium, going back to that old approach, or do you think they're better off now with things happening year round? Well, you know, I, I think I, I think there's a little bit of both of that. You know, I think I think these athletes today are they're they're babied way too much, in my opinion. Um, and you know, I I think that they just need to 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 kind of see a little bit what real life is. You know, I mean, they they get they get taken care of very well. They get very uh, you know, of course, not. I'm, you know, a former athlete. I know the time commitments can, that they that they're required to do. I mean, I understand all that, but you know, I mean, I, I think that they're just a little soft in general today. So, speaking, staying on that topic, if you're playing for Coach Sutton back in those days, I, I get the impression from talking to you and Brendan, the late Brooks Thompson, Randy Rutherford, all those, all you guys, soft was not an acceptable answer. What was the toughest thing about playing for Coach Sutton, and what maybe was the hardest thing that you had to endure? Oh, I, I mean, it was it was all tough. You look back on it, you know, we, uh, it was, you know, soft, soft was was not in Coach Sutton's vocabulary at all. I mean, you know, if you look back at, at most of his teams that he's ever had, you know, I mean, they they were never the most talented team, but they were always the the hard-nosed, toughest team you ever saw. Um, you know, I mean, I think I think that's why he preached. He preached toughness. You know, crap. He used to take us out and make us run back from Tanatara Road, Stillwater. You know, uh, in, the, in the heat, past the hog farm in August. Uh, you know, we had. Uh, you know, you run the stadium steps, and you had something called the the buddy. Me and Brendan Manger was visiting with this the other day. That, you know, you had to push out on the football field, and they, you were guaranteed to throw up every time you did that. I mean, it was never a, a question of whether you were, you know, if you played for Coach Sutton and you made it and you actually played, you were you were hard-nosed. Soft was not one of those words. But I'm guessing that the thing that carried all of you through that, and I experienced this later on during his final years, was at the end of the day, it always was pretty clear, wasn't it, that he had your best interest at heart? He wants you to be the best you could be, right? Always, always. I mean, he pushed you to the limits uh, every day. You know, when we were in school, of course, he, like I said, he was just getting back there. You know, we had to go by his office every day, sometime during the day before practice, just to say, you know, sometimes it would just be high. You know, sometimes it would. He would ask you personally. It was never really about basketball that you went by to see. He wanted to know, you know, make sure you were surviving in, in classes. You were doing good in your, you know, with your girlfriends or whatever it was. Uh, you know, you, you always knew that you were part of that family. And that whole little group that you were with, you know, you never thought of, uh, of them as any other way. But, uh, you know, your brothers. You know what always blew my mind, Bryant, working with Coach Sutton? And this has really nothing much to do with basketball. 
he knew what his players were doing all the time, and he would talk about how he had, quote, spies in the community. So if you'd been over at a sorority house, he knew. It was the darndest thing I have ever heard of. But I swear to goodness, he knew where all you guys were all the time. Am I right? It was, it's crazy. You, you are correctly right. He was a, uh, you know, some people now, I guess, would call him a micromanager or whatever. <laughs> he, had, he had little birdies everywhere that would call and, uh, and report in, and, hey, this player's here. I saw him here. And Coach Sutton knew exactly what you were doing all the time. Um, and, you know, it wasn't always a thing of, of he would say, hey, don't do that or whatever, but he knew where you were at all the time. Oh, it's crazy. In fact, I, I implemented his strategy with my girls. I, I knew enough people in town. I said, look, I'm like Coach Sutton. I got spies. If you're doing something bad, I will find out. It's one of the many gifts Coach Sutton gave to me, and I swear to goodness it had something to do with my kids, for the most part, staying on the uh, straight and narrow growing up here in Stillwater. Bryant Reeves with us on the Cowboys Summer Series. We'll take a break, come back with more with Big Country after this. This is the Cowboys Summer Series from Oklahoma Genetics and Learfield IMG College. Back on the Cowboys Summer Series brought to you by Oklahoma Genetics and Bryant Reeves with us. A wonderful conversation today as, as we talk about his memories of, of many, many things. So as far as your Oklahoma State development is concerned, when did your game, when did you feel like you made the biggest jump? Um, probably, well, I guess the, I guess the biggest jump would be, would be able to play as a freshman coming in. Um, you know, I mean, I always thought I could, could, you know, you know how that is. You're, you, you know, if you're going to step between the lines, you have to be confident, um, or maybe, you know, somebody to say a little cocky to play, you know, and I, I always thought I could play, but to be able to get out there and, and to play right away my freshman year was a dream. But, you know, the, the biggest jump I think come between the, you know, as, as everything says, between the freshman and sophomore year, you know, and, you know, Coach Sutton, and we, we lost a great group of seniors off that, uh, you know, off the 91-92 team, and, you know, it's kind of starting over, and, you know, I kind of got the, the hey, you're going to have to do better speech, uh, that, you know, we're going to have to start utilizing more, and, you know, just to be able to see, you know, the, the work really start, start paying off right away and you know of course of course you knew it would uh, you know I was always thought you put in the work you will see the results and you know I, I was fortunate enough to do that and you know Coach Sutton knew that I think I think he, he realized that I would work hard and you know I mean that kind of helped me because I, that kind of helped uh, tailor some things towards me um, on the on the you know on my sophomore year. Yeah and of course when you came in holy cow there were some players around huh? My goodness. We had, yeah, we had a great squad. I mean, with Byron Houston, Darwin Alexander, Corey Williams, you know, Sean Sutton, Cornell Hatcher. I mean, all those guys were, were seniors uh, my freshman year. So, so really, when I got to play as a freshman, I, I, I had no responsibility, really. I mean, those guys, were, those guys were carrying the team. I was just out there trying not to, not to screw everything up for them. Um, you know, we had, we had a really good squad that year. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here just for fun. This is always just for fun. If we had a seven-game series, we put that team your freshman year in 91-92 against your final four team, 94-95. Seven-game series, who wins? The 91-92 team? Now, really? I, 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 I believe that uh, you know we might have had a better team uh, in 94 than we did in 95, though. Um, 
I know, doubt that for, Manzer said that to me. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, I think I think our '94 team was probably the the one of the most talented teams I was I was on there. Um, you know, it just sometimes sometimes it don't work and it just didn't yeah. work for us that year for whatever reason. But you know, I mean, that was that was uh, those were all great years though, man. We had good squads every year. We were. Uh, you know, we were competitive uh, in the in the Big Eight back then every year. I mean, it was it was fun basketball. It really was. You think ninety four team was better than ninety one, ninety two, or is that a closer series? Play seven. That 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 might be a little closer series if you play seven. Uh, yeah. You know, I I out of out of all my team, you know, I, the the ninety five team might have been the the third best team there, um, in, wow. in my opinion. Uh, you know, and, and we were just we we got the right draw. We were playing well at the right time. You know, I mean everything kind of clicked in place to do that. Um, you know, so so I think the ninety ninety one ninety two would be a, a a tough draw with the ninety four team. So I know you get asked about the half court shot. I don't know if I've ever told you my little piece of that story when you hit the half court shot against Missouri in ninety three. I was at Radford in Virginia, and of course I'm a Missouri graduate, and I was I had a game the next night, and I had the Missouri broadcast on Camel X Radio out of St. Louis listening as I was lying in bed, listening on the radio to the end of that game, and I'm thinking, this is going to be a really good win for Missouri. And then there was this guy called Bryant Reeves that threw in a half-court shot, and I, I, I kid you not, Bryant Reeves... As soon as you hit the half-court shot, I reached over to the radio, turned it off. I said, they have zero chance of winning this game in overtime, and I went to sleep. So that's my side of that story. So when you think back, though, about that, and, and, and of course, it's played over and over again. When you think about the half-court shot, what do you think? Um, I, I don't really know what to think, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, it's definitely one of the, you know, as far as a personal, you know, it was a you know, kind of a career-defining moment there as a sophomore. You know, I mean, it was, and that probably wasn't even drawn up for me. That was a bad thing. Um, but you know, for us to uh, to you know for for that to happen, um, you know, it was just I don't know. It's uh, it, it was a great moment. It's a moment everybody talks about. You know, there was there was eighty thousand people in a six thousand seat arena. Um, so you know, it's it's not only me. Everybody you talk to was at that game. So you know it's, it's, it's kind of pretty cool, and it's a, it's a, it's an awesome moment that I always had. Wouldn't you like to know how many curse words emitted from Norm Stewart's mouth after you hit that shot? I know there was a whole bunch of them. I ran into Toaster uh, years later in an elevator, and uh, I kind of heard a few of them then as well. <laughs> yeah, because you were right. I mean, that would have been a great win for them, and and a, and a bad loss for us. I mean, you know, we're playing home. We, we, we never, you know, we, the best I remember, we didn't play just extremely well that game. Uh, you know, and then, of course, you, you, you're right. Once that shot went in, I mean, we, we knew that everybody knew the game was over in the arena. Um, you know, my, my mom and dad was there. <clears throat> you know, that was uh, my my grandmother. I don't know whether you know the story or not, and I'll tell it. Uh, my grandmother came to most of my games with my mom and dad, but that was uh, the one and only game my grandfather ever attended. And my dad was a heavy smoker back then. And when we were we were down, everybody had left except my grandfather. He was the only one still in the stands when the shot went in. Um, so, you know, I mean, that was a pretty cool moment for me after I later found out that he was the only one left there. Oh, my gosh. I had never heard that story. Yeah. 
yep, he was the only one. It's, a, it's the only game he ever attended. Um, you know, and he passed away shortly thereafter. But um, that was that was the only game he'd seen at Oklahoma State. Now, my grandmother never missed a game. Wow. Boy, sometimes reminds us d- divine intervention is real. Things happen for reasons, huh? It does. It does. I mean, you know, and, and, and the older you get, the more I think you realize things like that, that, uh, you know, there, sometimes there are special moments in life when there's the people there. Yeah, just amazing. And, of course, the weird thing about that Missouri team is that was not a good Missouri team, as unusual as it is to say that. That was a down year for them. I think they went to the they won the conference tournament that year with a, a 500 or losing record. The next year was the year they, they ran through the league and went undefeated. So that was it's just so many peculiar circumstances with that. So let's talk Final Four year. We, we talked a little bit about 94-95. And the fact is, is that, you know, that – Obviously, you had a good team. You were you were close to winning a a Big Eight title, but in terms of the regular season. But when, w- did you did you have any kind of feeling going into the NCAA's when you saw the bracket? And you knew who was ahead of you, and of course, at the end of that bracket, it was Wake Forest and UMass, two really good teams. Did did you look at it and say, you know what? I think we can get the Final Four. Do you see it that way? Well, you know when when you know we lost there to Kansas. Uh, the final game of the regular season, lost the Big Eight um, regular season title, you know, and then we were we were able to kind of rebound there and go go win the Big Eight tournament uh, same year, and then the bracket came out and we're sitting there, and, you know, the really and truly the team that um, you know I think me and Randy was sitting around talking about was 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 Alabama, um, because if you look, they were the most athletic team that we had ever faced as far as just pure athletes. I mean, they had it, you know, Roy Williams, uh, Antonio McDice. I mean, those guys were all very athletic. Um, you know, looking there, we, we really felt that we had a pretty good draw if, uh, you know, we could, we could, we could beat the Alabama squad. Um, you know, so when, when we were fortunate enough, we played them and got that win, you know, then it was just, uh, you know, we, we felt very confident going to uh, East Rutherford. Yeah, how'd you feel about the Wake Forest matchup? Obviously, you felt confident. Uh, yeah, I mean, I that that never, you know, I mean, we knew, you know, of course, you get that level, you know, they're all tough games, you know. I mean, it's all it's all going to be a battle, but you know, we we really felt very confident that we had uh, that we could control those games and that we would we would be fine. I mean, because we matched up, you know, pretty well as long as uh, you know we had we had everything we needed to beat those guys. Those guys uh, were not a matchup problem. And joining us now is Bob Baker, who runs Four Generations Farms near Alva. And Bob's had a lot of success with OGI wheat varieties and specifically today talking about organic wheat production. Bob, here's my understanding of organic wheat. It is tricky. You found a way to get it done. Tell us the story of your success with organic wheat. Um, yeah, the tricky, it, it can be. Uh, basically because we're used to traditional thinking of growing wheat. And, you know, basically we put on a lot of nitrogen and phosphate and we kind of give up at that point or maybe not give up, but that's kind of, you know, the tools that the farmers have used for, you know, the last uh, several decades. Uh, with organic, uh, nitrogen is the big challenge. Uh, we can't use any commercially made nitrogen, so our, our best source is uh, cattle or chicken manure. 
um, you know, and even some fish. Um, but, you know, with organic, uh, not only is the crop not being sprayed with, you know, herbicides or pesticides uh, and not using commercial fertilizers, but to grow organic wheat successfully uh, to get, you know, the yield that you need, you're going to start putting on your micro uh, nutrients, so your your sulfur, iron, zinc, copper, manganese, and so that that's where I've found success in growing good crops and and putting on the trace minerals. Bob Baker with Four Generations Farms near Alba is with us, and you know this year specifically, I understand you had really good success with Sky Dance. Is that right? Yes, Dave, we did. Um, the yield was in the mid-70s, you know, about 75, 76 bushel. Test rate, uh, 66 and a half. Uh, our protein was down a little, uh, but, you know, across the state of Kansas and Oklahoma, proteins were down. So we ended up with an 11% protein with our sky dance switches, uh, Actually, we're on the high side for organic growers this year. That's Bob Baker of Four Generations Farms near Alva. More to come. This is a Cowboy Summer Series brought to you by Oklahoma Genetics and Learfield IMG College. Back once again with Big Country Bryant Reeves on the Cowboy Summer Series brought to you by Oklahoma Genetics and just a few more minutes left, and we could spend, we probably spend hours on this, to be honest, but uh, we're limited a bit by time. So as you just think back to, to kind of pull everything together, from an NBA career standpoint, you know, when, when you think back on that, you know, what are your thoughts just on what happened to you as far as the NBA is concerned? Well, you know, we coming out of, coming out of college, you know, um, got, got, got married after my senior year of uh, college before I got drafted. You know, and it was, uh, you know, it was a whole new experience. Not only did I get to play in the NBA, but I also got to move to a different country and be a part of a expansion franchise that uh, was starting from scratch. So, you know, it was, uh, there was, there was different challenges there. But, you know, I mean, at the same time, you're, you're living your dream. You know, as a, as a player, that's you always want to play at the highest level. You want to be a part of something at the highest level. And, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to do that for a while, and um, you know, I, I'll always cherish uh, you know all, all those memories. Uh, Vancouver, Vancouver was an awesome city. It was an awesome place. You know, we had uh, you know our teams was not so good. You know, that was that was kind of a, a bad a bad thing when you were losing uh, as many games as we were because losing was not something that ever was accepted or you ever yeah. did much of. So there was some there were some dark days there. But you know, I mean it was it was a great experience overall and you know, looking looking back, you know, there's not you know, you wouldn't change anything. You know, you were the first ever draft pick by Vancouver. You were talking about new experiences. I hope you don't mind me bringing this up. So as I understand it, the Grizzlies had some big golf event and all these people were coming. And I know you were obviously asked to show up and, and come, but when you arrived, you found out they wanted you to play golf. And the fairways were, like, lined with people. And had you ever even played golf before? Do I have my facts right? I mean, I, I've heard this story, but I haven't heard it from you. But the whole yeah, you, golf you, tournament thing? Holy cow. 
Yeah, you. Uh, I had just uh, started playing golf. Uh, okay. Kind of, kind of, kind of had uh, been playing for, I don't know, probably six, eight months. And you know, when you when you travel and you know, we spend some time in summer. You know, I was I was feeling pretty good. I was you know shooting in the nineties. You know, I mean, not not playing very long. And you know, I was I was doing okay. And I had to play in a pro am golf tournament, the Greater Vancouver Open. Oh, jeez. Um, yes. So I, I knew, and you know, I thought, okay, well, you know, we'll do all right. Well, they put you on, they put me teeing off on the tenth uh, tee, so right after the turn, and there's a bunch of people in the stands there. There's a bunch of people in the fairway, you know, and kind of made the joke that you know everybody needs to spread out because I'm gonna, you know, I mean, I'm new at this and. Hit the driver and hit a slice and hit a reporter right square in the kneecap. He was way down, <laughs> he was, he was way down the fairway and it, uh, he's like, "Yeah, okay, uh, played the rest of the day." But I promise you, when you hit a uh, Aaron shot or one went over the green and you had to hit through, as you see those little tunnels of people there. Yeah, I never hit again. I picked the ball up and stuck it in my pocket and just walked away. I was like, I ain't hitting anybody else. Um, after that tournament was over, I put the clubs in up, and I said, I don't play golf anymore because I was not <laughs> going to do that again. <laughs> I don't blame you. As much as I love to play, if I went through that, I wouldn't play again either. It's funny. Yeah. I was yeah, I was watching a halftime show. I think it was during the NCAA tournament. You probably know what I'm talking about. And, and Shaquille O'Neal was on there, and I think they asked him who the toughest guy was he had to guard and play with. He said it was you. He said, I'd get a box score at half. And he said, I'd feel good. I had like 12 points and seven rebounds. And I'd look at the box score and big country would have 18 points, nine rebounds and block like three shots. That was a, that, right. I, that, that really got my attention. That's a, that's a heck of a compliment coming from, from a, from a guy like that. You know, um, he was, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, he was a boy among, or he was a man among boys back then. Um, uh, you know, that, that dude was a beast. He, uh, was one of the one of the best centers, uh, you know. That I, you know, when I played, you know, there was the center was still a part of the game. He was still a vital part of the game, which you know is not really the case in today's game. But you know, I mean, we had Patrick and Shaquille, and in his prime, you had Elijah one, you had David Robinson. I mean, you had you had all these great centers that played, and uh, you know, to, to to play against them and for him to say something like that's a great compliment. Who was the most underappreciated player, center or otherwise, when you played? I mean, there were some legends rolling through them, but who's a guy maybe that didn't get a lot of attention who was really, really good? Man, I don't know. They were all so good back then. You know, I mean, the guy, the guy that really, who, who, who to me, you know, seemed to be one of the one of the better centers at that time was, uh, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon because he played. You know that, that dude could play easy in today's game because he was he was quick. His footwork was unbelievable. I mean, he played more like a guard. Um, you know, I mean, he was he was not your prototype. You know, prototypical center back in those days. He was more, you know, what you see in today's game. And you know, for 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 that to happen, I mean, that was that was that was pretty incredible for that dude to do that at you know six eleven. So as as we kind of wrap things up here. Being a professional athlete, being the face of a franchise, was it? Did you find it to be overwhelming at all? Um, you know, at times, yes. You know, I mean, especially when you go into a uh, 
hockey city, if you want to, if you if you allow me that, you know, where where hockey was kind of king, and you know, there was a lot of times that we would have to do, um, you know, little appearances or little shows that you know to to figure out why you only got one point for a free throw, you know, why it was two points, you know, I mean, just sometimes it was kind of just going back to the basics for for the fans because you know I think a lot of a lot of fans uh, grew up with you know no basketball at all around, uh, you know, so it was kind of a, you know, it was, it was challenging at times, um, you know, to, to deal with all that, you know, not necessarily on the court stuff as it was off the court stuff. So no regrets at all? Uh, no, sir, no regrets. Um, you know, you, you you can't regret it. It's already done, so you might as well look back on enjoy it. It's been a great, you know, it was a great run. But a pretty good basketball life, huh? Uh, very good basketball life, and, and Turn has turned into a very good, you know, life for me. I've been blessed. Got four great kids. Uh, you know, wife been married to for 25 years. So, you know, it's been it's been a good it's been a good run for me. Bryant, we can't thank you enough. It's been a great time getting a chance to visit, and we we appreciate just more than anything who you are, and just so humble and and uh, you know, it's just it's like it's like always being around a good friend. It's this has been fun. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. No problem. My pleasure. Anytime. That's Bryant Reeves back to wrap things up in a moment on the Cowboys Summer Series brought to you by Oklahoma Genetics and Learfield IMG College. We hope you've enjoyed our Cowboys Summer Series programs as we're back to wrap things up for the final time during this summer of 2020. Of course, our programs are brought to you by our good friends at Oklahoma Genetics, our second year of bringing you these Summer Series interviews. And I think we closed out with a great one featuring Bryant Reeves. Well, we've talked about a number of the outstanding OSU wheat varieties during this program, and we'll end it with one named after an OSU legend, Smith's Gold. Of course, Smith's Gold comes out of the legendary Gallagher variety, and it's sure to pin down many of the challenges that wheat farmers face. Named after OSU legend John Smith, Smith's Gold offers a better canopy hygiene, longer grazing, and even better baking quality as affirmed by the Wheat Quality Council. Smith's Gold also provides hessian fly and green bug resistance, and has longer-lasting resistance to stripe rust. Smith's Gold also provides desirable flavor in whole wheat products, from pasta to pizza. Smith's Gold is another in OSU's Graze and Grain and Golden Grain wheat varieties that are widely preferred by millers. To learn more about Smith's Gold and other OSU-created wheat varieties, log on to okgenetics.com. That's okgenetics.com. Well, once again, we hope you've enjoyed our Cowboys Summer Series programs. Thanks a bushel, so to speak to our friends at Oklahoma Genetics for helping make these programs possible. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Summer Series, brought to you by Oklahoma Genetics and Learfield IMG College. On the Cowboys Sports Network, from Learfield IMG College, this has been the Oklahoma Genetics Summer Series, brought to you by Oklahoma Genetics, bringing OSU's world-class wheat varieties to the farmers of the plains. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Cowboy Sports Network.